1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders recorded at CNBC's live events. Today, a conversation with Metallica co-founder and drummer Lars Ulrich. He spoke to CNBC contributor Kara Swisher at the Evolve Summit on November 10th, 2020, about what he's learned in his nearly 40-year career with Metallica, how the industry has changed and how his band has evolved to keep up with the times, from embracing social media and streaming services to working with his Metallica bandmates via Zoom, just like the rest of us. Here's the conversation.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about, you've been one of the most social... Bands online with 60 million across all the platforms. Talk a little bit about your the movement, the the evolving movement of the industry and yourself uh, to embrace all things digital.
2: You know, it's been eight months now in in, in lockdown, and obviously communicating mm-hmm. to the world uh, via Zoom and in all digital uh, ways, shapes, and forms have been an incredible, mm-hmm. incredible experience. And and really, uh, you know, a, a, as far as Metallica itself is concerned what we really seek as our ultimate goal is to try to connect with fans all over the world uh, through music and obviously in 2020 that happens uh, significantly through you know the digital medium and so sure. social media uh, in, in digital ways and via zoom and and making music available through all the wonderful uh, streaming platforms and so on and, and the amazing things we've done with YouTube and, and, and whatever else, I mean, it's all part of, of kind of riding the wave. Uh, it's been close to 40 years now for Metallica and mm-hmm. we have always tried to optimize the the mediums, uh, you know, at, at at whatever time. So obviously in the eighties and vinyl and, and the record business and being independent and alternative and outsiders and all that, but you always try to uh, to maximize the uh, the possibilities of connecting to your fans every twenty twenty. obviously it's the digital.
0: Who has the control now when you think about music and, and, and has COVID actually given you a chance to have more control or have more uh, interaction with fans or, or not, or how do you look at it?
2: Well, There's, I guess there's two ways to go with that answer. You know, as far as Metallica is concerned, we have our own record label. We Mm -hmm. pretty much try to control all the different elements in our little bubble and our little ecosystem. Uh, We have a and d deal with Universal in Europe, but we try to maximize and and, and do the best thing that we can in, in all the different parts of the world. And so we like to control. We're financially independent. We, uh, you know, have sort of all our own things. We sort of model our existence somewhat on uh, the Grateful Dead, who uh, obviously mm-hmm. whose home was just off the street from us here in Marin, and who really mm-hmm. lived outside or considered themselves to be living outside of they the mainstream and just home in their own world. And that's been um, – our, our, our dream to just be independent, autonomous, to be able to create the music, not owe anybody any money, and, and just really be independent in every sense of that word. So when you say, you know, who has the control, we like to think in our bubble that we do, but obviously we're also very fortunate in that we can channel the success that we're so grateful for into financial independence.
0: So when you think about the sort of the new era, before it was the music companies that really had a lot of the control over a lot of musicians, not you in particular, but a lot of them. When you look at the tech companies, you have Apple fighting with Spotify. You've got who the distribution methods are. There's a lot of stuff, regulatory stuff coming up. When you look at the landscape of tech companies having control, do you think that is the case, or how do you look at them?
2: Um, Well, obviously, uh, the tech companies – and, and the, the media companies have an incredible amount of control. I, I think you have to – all about it, it – to me, it's all about the context of the conversation. So when you talk about control, what does it really mean? And what are your goals? What are your motives? I mean, it's an incredible yeah. thing that in 2020, if you and I wanted to make a record together, you and I could make a record together through the wonders of of, of Zoom. And, and we could have a record in a few Weeks and we could put it out mm-hmm. on YouTube. We could put it out on SoundCloud. We could, you know, probably get it on Spotify if we really want it. But so it, 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 it. We have the independence and the ability to be much more uh, the creators of our own destiny. At the same time, what the record companies did. 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago was that they were able to finance it. They were able to back it. They were able to promote it. Mm-hmm. They were able to publicize it. And they were able to make each thing stand out in a way that that would uh, show up on people's radar. So if you and I made a record together, getting aside, there's a pretty good mm-hmm. chance that not many people, would hear, a lot of people would hear about it. But in the, in the ages of the record companies, they would be able to promote it and pay for MTV videos and do right. this whole publicity exercise. And so the good news is that these mediums are available to so many more people. The bad news is that mm-hmm. nothing really stands out.
3: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery,
0: You're so famous. People are making album covers of all your, your songs. Um, you have the power of viral videos, TikTok, and platform to reach people. How do you look at those, those platforms like a TikTok or, or, or YouTube? And what advice do you have for well, artists starting out?
2: Well, in Metallica, we look at every one of the platforms indep- you know, independently. And uh, obviously, uh, the, the, the biggest significant difference now is that what we do reaches every corner of the world. So 20, 30 years ago, it was much more, you know, North America, Western Europe, and so on. But now, uh, you know, with our social media, some of our biggest countries in the world, are Brazil, Argentina, uh, Chile, our biggest streaming Mm -hmm. uh, market in the world, Mexico, Uh, We're very, very, very um, connect to a lot of fans in former Eastern European countries like Poland, Mm -hmm. Czech Republic, Romania, Hungary, and parts of Asia are incredibly uh, receptive to hard rock, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, and so on. So, you know, it's a whole... Different ball game than it was 20 years ago. So, what advice? First of all, I'm not big on giving advice to okay, to up and, and to. coming. I would I would, just, I would say from a from a, a creative point of view, you know, be yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I I guess I always like to encourage people to check their motives. You know, why are you doing mm-hmm. what you're doing? Are you doing the love of music? Are you doing it because you want to make money? Are you doing it because you want to be famous? Are you doing it to, you know, get your numbers up on YouTube or on TikTok or or whatever? So what are your motives? And I think if you can have an honest conversation with yourself about what your motives are, then the path forward should hopefully be clear to you.
0: So from a creative point of view, I just have one or two more questions. When you're doing it, you're doing it you have another album coming out. Is that correct? I think it's the 11th album? The new album. Well, I would How say, are you working on that?
2: I would ahead. say theoretically. Theoretically, we always have another album coming out, and mm-hmm. um, and so we have been trying to obviously uh, do as much as we could in the last seven months, trying to make a difference mm-hmm. uh, with our foundation, with our music, and with connecting to people. and And so we have been working the last six eight weeks uh, virtually. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can give you some advice if you want advice. Uh, Being in a rock and roll band and working virtually is not super easy. Um, uh, You know, time delays, uh, you know, all these things make it really hard. Uh, What do you miss? Well, the main thing we miss is being able to hear each other. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if we're all four in a room together, we can connect uh, with each other and, and we can hear each other. If I'm playing... Here in San Francisco, and Kirk uh, and James are two guitar players are either in uh, Oahu or Colorado. There are significant mm-hmm. time delays. It's very hard for us to play at the mm-hmm. same time. If I'm call, uh, doing what we call steering, which means that mm-hmm. I'm playing a beat and they're playing to me, I can't hear what they're playing, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If they're steering, they can't. Resist. So there's we can't all hear each other uh, in a universal mm-hmm. fashion. So if, if there's some significant Complications. We have our recording uh, team and our production team are speaking to software makers all over the world and, yeah, and many other bands trying to figure out how to, to crack the code on this. Uh, nobody has quite figured it out yet.
3: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you
0: Live stream concerts of all genres of music acts are happening after a burnout of nonstop yes. touring. Is this a welcome pause? And when do you? How are they going to return? What is going to happen once there's a vaccine and people can gather uh, who aren't going to political rallies, for example? Uh, what? How do? How do you get back to live concert going? Do you think fans will return?
2: I uh, think. I think the answer, I think the answer uh, is, is the word slowly. Um, mm-hmm. We. We did our first experiment in August. Uh, We did a a drive-in experiment where we uh, pre-recorded a concert and then shared it with over 300 drive-ins across the country. It was uh, a success, uh, but at the same time, I don't know what kind of legs that kind of experience will have because I I think it's really more of a one-off event. Uh, I don't think it's something you can do too often burnout factor is too big. Uh, in two weeks, we are doing our first direct live stream concert to the world as a benefit mm-hmm. for our foundation All Over My Hands. And that's going out, uh, I guess, in two Saturdays. That's uh, All of this is experimental. And right. um, so we're looking to seeing how many people from, from the, all over the world connect. We're looking forward to f- seeing sort of what we can do in, the, in that creative medium and how we feel about it. Everything that, that I've heard about live concerts returning uh, in, in the shape and form that they were in uh, February and back is not going to happen per our calendar for probably another year at the earliest. And, and like I hear myself say all the time, the good news is on the, on the live concert front that when Metallica and other bands like Metallica pay, play big uh, arena or stadium concerts again, then you can pretty much count on the fact that COVID, as we know it now, is over because uh, as we unfortunately have come to grips with uh, the last thing that will happen, are big mm-hmm. concerts, you know, 20,000 people in an arena, 50,000 people in a stadium. Even, obviously, sporting events can probably leave the station a little bit before us because most of those are seated, maybe slightly more orderly. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so you've obviously uh, – a big part of a lot of rock concerts is having what we call a GA floor where there's 20,000 people mm-hmm. on the floor mm-hmm. not seated. So concerts will be the last thing. Uh, There was talks a month or two ago about Western. I mean, it's definitely going to be geo-targeted in terms of the opening. It's not going to be the whole world is going to open at the same time. Mm -hmm. A few months ago, uh, it was looking pretty good for maybe some festivals and other things Mm -hmm. to take place in Western Europe next summer. But after the uh, the recent Recent. um, – Recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, the, the crazy numbers now hitting uh france and spain and the uk and 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 everywhere else in western europe who knows what it's really going to look like for next summer you know the right the hardest thing for so many people in the creative world uh is that we all want to go out and we want to get involved and we want to share what mm-hmm. we're doing and we want to interact with our fans and 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 we i mean obviously everybody in the community is uh is, is just beyond ready to get out there. Obviously, we don't mm-hmm. want to put our crews and, and, and the fans and everybody working uh, the events at risk. And and I would say what we know now compared to three months ago, six months ago, is that the wait is unfortunately going to uh, continue to be long. So I would say the earliest uh, third quarter, you know, fall of next year, the earliest uh, is okay. what we're, we're betting on.
1: That was Grammy winner and Metallica co-founder Lars Ulrich. He joined Kara Swisher at CNBC's Evolve Summit on November 10, 2020. The keynote is produced by the CNBC Events team. For more information about upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit CNBCevents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening.